Hello and welcome to the Milk and Honey podcast. My name is Farida Matthews and this podcast is all about the adventure of a relationship with Jesus. We'll be talking about life's many battles and blessings and the promises God has for us on this road trip called life. So let's get comfortable and go on this journey of discovering our purpose in God together. I am so excited for this first episode of the Milk and Honey podcast. Thank y'all so much for joining me, and I can't wait to go on this journey with y'all. But first of all, I just want to explain the name right quick. So Milk and Honey comes from Exodus 3, where God is talking about the land of milk and honey, the promised land that he has for his people, a place where there is fullness of joy, and you discover the purpose that God has for your life. And I really believe that. I believe that God has a plan for each and every single one of our lives. But it's a journey to get there. It's not always a straight path. But that's the beauty of being in this relationship with God, that eventually you end up right where he wants you to be. But on the way, you obviously have those twists and turns that come into life. So this podcast is aiming to focus on those different aspects of what people may be going through, but also learning from that and ultimately encouraging one another to grow in our faith and our relationship with Jesus. I wanted to make this podcast for two reasons. One, I have a group of friends who are my soul sisters and I love them, but we have some deep conversations and I walk away thinking, wait, why is no one else talking about this in my context? So I wanted to create a space for topics that Christians want to talk about. And secondly, I also felt a prompting from the Holy Spirit that really challenged me about the way I share my faith online. And it was almost like a divine push to find a way to be more open about the most important person in my life, and that's Jesus. So for this first episode, this first podcast, the same way that the Holy Spirit prompted me, I wanna challenge you with this question. Are you throwing away your shot? <laughs> yup, the Holy Spirit really hit me with that one. And that question sounds really, really like harsh and kind of jarring, but let me frame it for you. So my husband and I were watching a film called Evan Almighty the other day. And in this film, basically, if you haven't seen Evan Almighty, it's about a guy who essentially is going through the same thing that Noah went through. God has asked him to build an ark, but it's set in present day time. So it's like, if God asked you to build an ark today, would you do it? Or would you just look absolutely crazy? Or would you just say, God, I don't think so. But anywho, the guy starts to build this ark. Um, and this particular scene really stuck with me. It's Evan's wife and God in a cafe and they're having a conversation. Um, and I just want to read out this conversation really quick. Um, so this is Evan's wife and she says to God, she says, he said, who's Evan? Evan said, God told him to do it. What do you do with that? And God said, it sounds like an opportunity. Let me ask you something. If someone prays for patience, do you think God gives them patience or does he give them the opportunity to be patient? If they pray for courage, does God give them courage or the opportunity to be courageous? And it got me thinking, when we ask God to use our stories to bring our friends and our families to know him, what are we expecting? I know I expect that he'll essentially do the work for me without needing to actually use me. But the truth is that actually he provides us with the opportunities to share our testimonies. 
with our work colleagues, with strangers on the street, but sometimes we may not seize those opportunities or we sort of take a step forward and immediately take two steps back because we're afraid. I recently heard that the opposite of faith isn't necessarily doubt, but it's fear. Faith begins where your understanding ends and faith is found in who we're believing in, not what we're believing for. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, it says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Our faith is confidence in hoping to see the world around us, know the love of God and the assurance that God is with us when we do that. Stepping out in faith is going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be unfamiliar, and I know that I'm feeling quite vulnerable right now sharing my faith in this way on this podcast. But I think that God is asking me, and I think that God is asking us, to trust in his promises and be faithfully obedient to the call of going to make and baptize disciples of all nations, like it said in Matthew 28. Essentially, that's sharing our faith with people we meet in everyday life. And I titled this podcast, I'm Not Throwing Away My Shat, thanks to Hamilton, the musical for that gem. But I want to be obedient to taking my shot, and I want to encourage you to do the same. When God presents an opportunity to step out in faith and share your story, take your shot. When God prompts you with a word of knowledge for someone, take your shot. When God calls me to pray for someone who may not know Jesus or maybe start a podcast, I'ma take my shot. Cause ultimately he's won the victory and he'll get the glory from it no matter what happens. In John 4, 25 to 42, Jesus and his disciples are on their way to Galilee and they decide that they're gonna go through a town called Samaria, which is actually quite a huge detour for them. But they end up near a plot of ground that Jacob gave to Joseph and where Jacob's well was located. There at that well, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman. And culturally, back then, Samaritans and Jews didn't really mix. So he goes up to her and he says, can I have a drink? And she proceeds to then tell him how weird that is that he's even talking to her, but that he's asking her to give him a drink. And he ain't got no cup. Like, Jesus didn't have a cup with him. So he was essentially asking her to drink from her jar. She's like, that's a bit weird, Jesus. I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do that. But he then proceeds to tell her in true Jesus fashion that the water that she's actually even drinking now will leave her thirsty again, but the water that he wants to provide will become a water welling up with eternal life and that she'll never ever thirst again. Naturally, the woman is like, yes, please, Jesus. I, I want some of that water. Where, where can I get that? And then Jesus just takes a nice left turn in verse 16. And this is what it says. It says, he told her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Of course, Jesus already knew this. And then he proceeds to then tell her about all her past relationships, things that a stranger should not have known. That she had five husbands, that the man that she was with right now was not her husband. And even after all of this, it still hasn't sunk in that she's speaking to Jesus, the Messiah. She believes that Jesus is just like a great prophet. So of course, he clarifies for her. And this is where we're going to pick it up from in verse 25. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. 
Then Jesus declared, I, the one who is speaking to you, I am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want? Or why are you talking with her? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. Meanwhile, his disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He was so in tune with the father that he didn't even want to miss his shot. So much that food wasn't even like in front of his mind. I know I'm hungry all the time. And I know that if I'm hungry, I get hangry. So I don't even know how Jesus is doing this, but we thank you, Father. Anywho, continuing from 35, it says, Don't you have a saying? It's still four months until harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I just want to draw attention to that, those last few verses, because essentially it's saying that planting a seed that someone else will water or someone else will reap the harvest, you should still do that because just because you can't see the miracle or see the salvation doesn't mean that it won't happen. And I just want to encourage us in that. Sometimes we think, oh, if I tell them and they don't come to Christ now, I've somehow failed, but actually you could just be planting the seed and doing the labor for someone else to come in and reap that harvest. So we may reap the harvest, but sometimes we may be called to just plant the seed for someone else. But yeah, picking up from 39 again, it says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything that I ever did, she said. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the savior of the world. The Samaritan woman meets Jesus, and the gospel suddenly becomes very real for her. It was more important than the job she was doing. She just up and left everything. She just ran out of that place and ran to go and tell people. The good news was just too good for her not to share. And that news is still good today. It's good enough for me and it's good enough for you. And it's also good enough for those that we love, those that we work with or go to school with or university with, whatever context you're in. It's good enough for us. And the rest of the Samaritans, they believed that this news was worth stopping what they were doing to come and meet Jesus. It says that they believed in him because of her testimony, because of what he had done in her life. So my question is, how many lives can our stories change? There are so many people just waiting at our doorsteps to be invited into this relationship with Jesus. All we need to do is ask them to come. How could I show God's love to my next door neighbor, my local supermarket cashier, my work colleague, whatever our context, 
there is someone in our lives that we can share our faith with. By default, if you've encountered the risen Jesus, you are officially qualified to share the gospel. There you go, that's your certificate. You don't need no more qualifications other than I met Jesus, I love Jesus, and I wanna share Jesus with the people that I know and love. Now, it sounds like we out here in these streets on our own trying to share Jesus, but actually, that's not the case. Taking that step forward doesn't mean you are unsupported. And just like when Peter walked on water in Matthew 14, he was supported by his faith that it was Jesus telling him to come and he had faith to step out of that boat. We always talk about the fact that Peter took his eyes off Jesus and of course, he began to sink as soon as he did that until Jesus reached out and then saved him. But ultimately, he was the only one who responded to the call. Jesus said, come. And Peter was like, okay, Lord, I'ma come. He's not even sure 100% that it was Jesus or 100% that he wasn't gonna drown. But he said, Lord, if it's you, then tell me to come. And Peter had faith that it was Jesus speaking to him. And even if he were to drown, he would be closer to the one who had every power and ability to save him. Peter wasn't the only one in that boat. The call was not specific. Jesus just said, come. And I wanna encourage us today that let's be people, no, let's be disciples that hear Jesus say, come walk on water. And we'll say, Lord, if it's you, we'll get out of the boat. People who hear God say, go and tell my sons and daughters that I love them. And we reply, Lord, if it's you, I'll welcome them with open arms the same way that you welcome me. Don't miss this opportunity to take your shot. There is a victory on the other side that God will get the glory from. I am not throwing away my shot. Let's do that together.